0: and gentlemen live from the west coast it's time for ring talk live Worldwide. your inside look into combat sports you know what as long as she fights 135 pounds i don't care if
1: she's injecting a horse demon into her eyeballs
0: and now the host of the longest running fight show in radio and internet history but
1: i want to start getting
2: paid i want to start making heavyweight money
0: pedro fernandez you know i'm just excited uh, just
1: excited to be back i wish we could do a fight every night you know me pedro Damas y caballeros, bienvenidos! Ladies and gentlemen, emanating, coming at you from the multi million dollar sports byline studios in San Francisco. Check in! This is Ring Talk. Austin imitated, but never duplicated 38 plus years now of knocking out all bums. Welcome to the show. My name is Pedro Fernandez. Of course, I am your modest host. I'm also an award-winning writer, and I won four Golden Gloves in my time. So I know a little bit about this game. We're talking boxing and mixed martial arts for the next hour, live on Sports Byline, iHeartRadio, our new SiriusXM satellite radio channel. Channel 217 and of course a plethora of other internet platforms. Straight up, this is Ring Talk Live Worldwide. You can join us on the free if you dare, and I say if you dare, because if you say something stupid, bang, I KO you on the phone. 1-80-878-7529. That's 1-80-878-7529. Of course, there's also the guilt-free, No Commitment Text Line. You can cuss me out via text if you want. I don't care. 415 275 The studio text line once again. 415 Of course, the fighters of the years. No surprise there. Are Tiafimo Lopez, the lightweight champion, of course, coming off that upset where he smoked Vasil Lomachenko. I mean, come on, this basic math, looking like Marvin Hagler and Sugar Ray Leonard. If you give away enough rounds, you're going to lose a fight. If you lose enough rounds, you're going to lose a fight. Vasil Lomachenko lost the first seven rounds. Hey, seven out of 12. That means he's already won the fight. All Lopez had to do a stay on his seat for the last five rounds, he would have won the fight. Straight up he did win the fight, going away. He is the deserved world lightweight champion, fighter of the year, along with the world heavyweight champion, the linear champion, unbeaten Tyson Fury. Ring talk live Worldwide returns with the great Socrates Palmer after the break. Hey!
2: you are now a light heavyweight champion adding it to your collection you knew coming in this was going to be a tough fight but you make your debut at light heavyweight and you win spectacularly what do you think of your performance?
0: no, me siento muy contento primero que nada, muchas gracias a todos por estar aquí agradecido con ustedes es un paso más en mi carrera para seguir con la historia y nomás les pido que que tengan paciencia el canelo el canelo
2: all I want to say is thank you very much. I want to thank everyone for being here. I'm very thankful with everyone. And this is just a step in my career, in my history. And all I ask of you is to be patient. Be patient because Canelo Canelo will make history. He provides guarantees. And a nice handshake there between you and Sergey Kovalev. I know you have a lot of respect for Kovalev. What was the game plan coming into this fight because it seemed a lot like how you fought
1: you're tuned to ring talk live worldwide You're inside looking to the world of boxing of course canelo alvarez successful a week ago uh a fantastic fight against callum smith a 12-round shutout in the minds of some i gave callum a couple of rounds i give callum some credit for showing up he was game um, I, I thought he fought short, and I thought that was a little funny as he fought short. He was a tall guy, but he fought short. And Canelo, of course, wrapped him on the arms and wrapped him in the body a few times and kept control of the fight for the most part. It was a Canelo exhibition of boxing. And, of course, Mr. Smith came from across the pond, undefeated. Worthy fighter, no doubt about that. But, let mm, I put this, not a threat to Canelo Alvarez, no doubt about that. Now, we take it from... San Francisco, of course, to the East Coast to bring in Bob, Brooklyn's very own and talk about Socrates Bomber. Mr. PHC, how are you today, sir? I'm doing well, Pedro. How's it going? Uh, you know, a couple of production issues outside of that. We're doing fine. Um, what'd you think of, what'd you think of Canelo Alvarez last week? Well, now that I
3: had a, a week to process everything, um, I, I, what's, what is there to knock? You know, I mean, he looked he looked really good. You know, um, Canelo Alvarez, uh, you know, maybe I gave Kalen Smith a little bit more credit than I thought. I thought he was going to be a gamer opponent. I thought he was going to look a little hungrier than he did on uh, Saturday. Uh, but speed was too much. And, you know, Kalen Smith just really just – I had not seen a guy with such a size advantage be so – I don't want to say fearful or, or, or just respectful and cautious of a smaller guy. Like he was, there were moments that you, you thought that, that, uh, he was afraid to get into exchanges. And I thought that was part of the loss. You know, he, it was, there was something missing. Like there was that, I thought there was going to be more of a fire out of Caleb Smith, but, uh, you know, still don't want to take away from Canelo with his, uh, very, I think, dominating perform- uh, I- performance.
1: I think when you're getting cracked to the arms and getting cracked to the body and occasionally getting cracked to the head and you've got shots coming at you that hurt. And, um, you know, you, you put it, put it this way. Calvin Smith's been undefeated. He hasn't been on the receiving end of too much in 27 fights. Uh, he, he got his comeuppance to an extent when he stepped up, of course, and challenged the best fighter pound for pound in boxing. Can we still go with that tag as Canelo being the best fighter pound for pound in boxing, Mr. PhD?
3: Uh, I think he definitely merits that. I mean, I don't think he's, his stock dropped last Saturday. I, I mean, especially what, a, what other fighter is, is doing what he's doing. I mean, he's going up in weight and he's winning comfortably. You know, it, it, we haven't seen that since Manny Pacquiao. Um, and it's been a long time. Uh, as, you know, if you look at also the fact that the style in which he fights, you know, traditionally a lot of the pound for pound guys, that you know that received this mythical, you know, uh, award being the best, you know, pound for pound king. They're not the most exciting guys, you know. And I think backer like Pernell Whitaker, obviously Floyd Mayweather. They're more defensive first guys. Canelo is a is although he has good defense, is really an action fighter, and I think that has to be taken into uh, account. Um, I definitely put him at number one, and it's a good debate between. Crawford, and uh, you know some people put the monster in no way up there, uh, but but Canelo to me is number one hands down.
1: Okay, so Mr. Alvarez has like three or four fights out there, really. I mean, we've got he got Triple G. They want to do that fight. Of course, the the uh, TV network or the zone, the app wants to do that fight, and Barry Hearn wants to do that fight. They say they want to have one fight in between, possibly take on Billy Joe Sanders. Is Sanders anything other than? um Another win.
3: Uh, you know what, Billy Joe is a is a very good fighter. You know, he's definitely a guy that is not going to accommodate Canelo in terms of standing still in front of him. He's a mover. He's left-handed. Um, I think that's a dangerous fight to have as a tune-up or a stay busy fight. I, I would be surprised if they, you know, they put him in there because certainly a guy that could throw a monkey wrench into their plans. Uh, he's a guy that could frustrate Canelo. You know, uh, can, uh, Billy Joe's probably biggest enemy is himself. You know, outside of the ring is shenanigans and, and he's missed weight a couple of times. He also had an issue with PEDs, but, uh, you know. Wait, wait. And, uh, Billy P- Joe's P- by <laughs>
1: by. Hold on. PEDs, um, almost getting arrested for uh, harassing women, having some drug right. and or alcohol issues. He's had his assortment of problems.
3: Yes, he has. Yes, he has. He's certainly not the, uh, the poster child for, uh, you know, the model athlete.
1: Uh, you know he's a uh, gypsy, you know he's a gypsy, right?
3: Yeah, he's part of that same crew with, uh, Tyson Fury.
1: Yeah, but yeah. Matt, this here's what, before they had money, they lived in mobile homes. You know, like that mobile home that blew up last night in Nashville? That's what Tyson Fury used to drive around Europe in.
3: Right,
1: right, right. No, I'm still, no, 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 I'm serious. I mean, I just happened yeah. to think, but they used to drive around on mogul Homes, they called them the Travelers. They never, they never sat down, they lived in that, it was crazy.
3: Yeah, it was like, uh, like in the movie Snatch, uh, with, uh, Brad Pitt played that, uh, that, uh, traveling fighter and they lived in trailers and, uh, I've, I'm, I've seen a documentary where I think one of Tyson Fury's family members is in it, uh, The Bare Knuckle Travelers. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's quite a life. It's yeah, swashbuckling.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a good guess. Speaking of Tyson Fury, Fighter of the Year, um, along with Teofimo Lopez, deservingly so, no doubt, after the world linear heavyweight champion erased any doubts of the uh uh, of him and uh and and, and Deonte Wilder as far as who's superior there of course now he and Joshua Joshua's had his chin dented once by Andy Ruiz Anti Ruiz, I like to call him um that fight's going to come down is that more hype than it's going to be fight a uh,
3: a fight between Joshua and and, and, um, and
1: Fury is, this, is Fury, and Fury just is Fury big enough to just say just to 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 to, to quelch everything that joshua puts forward
3: i would say yes um the one thing about tyson fury he's very dynamic um he when he wants to sit down and bang you out ask Deontay wilder if he could punch you know um and when he wants to frustrate and be cute that's how he beat klitschko and that's how he beat well he fought to a draw against wilder the first time he's very dynamic um now Anthony Joshua showed some a wrinkle in his game, you know, how he regained the title against Ruiz. Um, and when he had to put the uh, pedal to the metal against Pulev, he did. So, you know, I, I think I would definitely lean towards Fury, but I don't think it's a 50-50. I think Fury is the superior fighter at this at this stage in their career. And uh, I don't think Anthony Joshua will be able to, to handle Tyson Fury's hand speed. I think mean, that's going to be the biggest thing. And, and he's going to be looking up for the first time in his yep. career, which, which is going to be something psychologically that he may not be ready for.
1: Size matters in two things, pornography and combat sports, no doubt about that. You are tuning Ring talk live worldwide. You're inside looking into the world of boxing, MMA. Before we go to the break, Vasiliy Lomachenko whining this week about the scoring with with Teofimo Lopez like Marvin Hagler was whining till I shut him up in Mexico City that time. Okay, but the bottom line is it's simple math. You give away the first seven rounds, you've got to do something spectacular in the last five rounds in order to to pull off some type of points decision, okay? He didn't pull it off. I thought he won four of the last five rounds, but still whining this week. Are you sure, every excuse in the world, man, from this guy?
3: Yeah, no, it doesn't – it's not a good look, as they say. I mean, he he was a great champion. He's a guy that – I mean – has received more accolades from the media and, than anybody in the last few, several years, you know, he's, and, and deservedly. So he was brilliant, you know, when he was at his peak, but you know, there's something when it comes to taking, you know, being a gracious loser or, or just being a good sport, you lost. Okay. Show that that is a fluke, get back, you know, in training camp and, and prove it. You know, I'm sure that a rematch generates the most money for both fighters. And, you know, at this point, you know, he just looks like a sore loser, and it's uh, not not good on his part at
1: all. So why is that sore loser sort of sounds like something that's going around the United States, like since November the fourth? Why is that? So- why do I keep thinking sore loser? Some President Trump sore loser? Possible? Possible. <laughs> you are tuned to Ring Talk Live worldwide. Go down to the nightclub on the re- on the reverse side of the break. We'll bring in, of course, uh, the boxing's PhD, Socrates Palmer. Talk about Frankie Randall. Who's Frankie Randall? He was the surgeon. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide.
2: We get in this car, we're driving. We, we're heading close to Texas. I said, let's pull over for the night. He goes, no, you just need to close your eyes for a little bit. I'll keep driving. And I'm like, macho. He goes, I'm okay. I am i won't go speed. I said, okay. And I fall asleep. I don't know how long I was closing my eyes, but it wasn't long. He taps me on my shoulder. He goes, hey, I need money for the toll. And I'm like, the toll? And I open my eyes. And I see the border. We're on the line to the border into Mexico. I'm like, what are you doing? The patrol looks, and they've waited for us to go into the security check. And I'm like, it's okay, macho, no problem. I'll, I'll take care of this. I'll, let me talk. He goes, yeah, but that's not the problem. I got a little present in the trunk. I got a, I got a kilo in the trunk. And I said, okay, macho, put the top down. We're, it was a convertible jack. And I need you to do macho time right now, right here. We he push the top down, he jumps up out of this car, he jumps onto the hood of this ninety thousand dollar Jag, and he stands up and he's screaming, Where's Chavez? Everybody went crazy. The Border Patrol comes, everybody started Come Macho! The Border Patrol guy passes me with a dog. The dog goes crazy. The dog starts barking and scratching. I look in the rear of the mirror and the
1: border patrol takes the dog and hits someone. He goes,
2: Shut up, that's Camacho.
1: Good old Hector Camacho trying to cross the border. Actually crossing the border with a kilo. Now having smuggled drugs into Mexico myself several times, it's not that difficult. But I guess if you get pulled over into secondary search, you know, Socrates Palmer's are my guest, of course, he boxes PhD. When I was coming back from Tijuana one time doing some T V down there, um I brought back four bottles of Corona beer and it's like it's like double the amount of alcohol in a regular Corona beer in the United States. So I snuck this I thought I was going to sneak this Mexican beer in and this this border control agent, this customs lady asked me where I was born. And I told her I was born in San Francisco. And she said, "What state is that in?" I said, "What do you need, a geography lesson?" Right? Well, Sock, she put me over into the secondary search and they strip searched me in the whole nine yards and we almost didn't make our flight in San Diego. So my, my, my advice to you is don't get smart with the uh, border people.
3: I will take that in place.
1: Don't tell <laughs> nothing. So, hey, Camacho, Camacho in death, not bigger than he was in life, but this was a pretty good special.
3: Yeah, I thought it was well done. I thought it was well done. Um, I, I kind of, you know, Get it, you know, it's, I got a kick out of it because it was really like my childhood. I mean, Camacho's coming up was when I be, I fell in love in boxing, you know, in the, in the eighties and, uh, his flashiness, he was ahead of his time. Uh, he was pretty much the flat, the, the face of uh, Puerto Rican boxing for a few, for a few years when he was at the top. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember the fights against, uh, Edwin Rosario. There was that, uh, internal, uh, debate within the puerto ricans uh here in new york is like old school versus new school and you know uh the new york rican i guess a real puerto rican and he was just a tremendous charismatic figure um he fought every one of his era uh the one fight that i would you know like many others i wish it would have happened would have been him against another uh legend who, who died before his time uh, pernell whitaker uh, I thought it was a really, really touching piece. Uh, I got a chance to interview Camacho uh, when he was doing the uh, Dancing with the Stars uh, version for Univision. And he was really, really uh, just a ham. You know, he liked to talk, and uh, he was a, uh, a big part of boxing. And, uh, and I'm glad that he, they did this special on him.
1: You know, I've told this story before, but I was fighting with my ex-wife. Wait, fighting with my ex-wife. That's why she's my ex-wife. Um, over my daughter talking to her on the phone, and so we're going back and forth. So I hang up the phone like you blot and hang up the phone. And Camacho says to me, "What's going on?" I said, "Well, the old lady doesn't want to let me talk to the kid. That's why, because she's just being, you know, being the old lady." And he goes, "Yeah, go oh, give me your number. So I'll give her a call." I said, "What?" I go, "Yeah, go. She likes you too." She goes, "Really?" He goes, "Yeah." So he calls her on the phone, and my best friend is Hector Martinez, okay? So the, the first thing he says to her is, is hello? He goes, is this, is this so-and-so? And she says, yeah. And he says, this is Hector. She goes, Hector Hill Okay, in her witchy voice. You hear what I'm saying? She was like, she thought it was Martinez, my best friend. Hector who? And then um, he goes, I'm the macho man, Hector Camacho. And then you hear this long pause of silence on her end the phone realizing she's been exposed as to who she really is. Hear what I'm saying? So Camacho tells her, you don't really got to come over, come off like that on the guy or me on the phone, blah, blah, blah. He needs to talk to his kid, give him his kid. He puts the key, gets her to put the kid on the phone. He got her to put the kid on the phone. So what I'm trying to say is Camacho, Camacho was an individual that, that he, he did funny things. I mean, I, did I, I told you about the story about the, the swimming pool, right? No, tell oh, me. Okay, this is one of the greatest Camacho stories of all time and I was there. Um I can't remember who he was fighting, but Don King was a promoter and the PR guy told us to wait for wait for him outside at the Las Vegas Hilton pool, the swimming pool at the Las Vegas Hilton. So we were all out there and I remember I can't remember Don King's PR guy. It wasn't Marley, it was the guy before him. And I'm, like, nailing this guy's, hey, hey, where's he at, man? He's, like, 25 minutes late. What's going on? Blah, blah, blah. So, anyway, he's almost a half hour late. And there's a little old lady sitting in a wheelchair right next to the edge of the pool. Like, she's getting her son. She got a little blanket wrapped around her. She looks, like, old and elderly and this kind of stuff. So I just noticed that, and I don't notice anything else. And all of a sudden, you hear, it's macho time. So he comes strutting up, doing his thing, blah, 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 runs over the wheelchair and pushes the wheelchair into the water into 12 feet of water. He pushed his wheelchair with his old lady in it into the deep end of the Las Vegas Hilton Pool. Oh, boy. Guess what? It was a staged event. The um lady was a swimmer from UNLV. She knew how to hold her breath in the water. We were all freaking out. I'm thinking about jumping in. I don't know what to do. I mean, holy cow. But that's what it was. The lady was a UNLV uh, a UNLV. A swimmer. She held her breath underwater for a couple of minutes. We thought she wasn't coming up, man. Kamachi. That was the best rib that's ever been pulled, I think, in the history of
0: boxing.
3: You got, got. Wow. That's, uh, that's too bad. I mean, this is before the, uh, the cell phone social media days.
1: Yeah. Well, my, Michael, right, Michael left. Marley, Michael Katz. Of the New York Daily News, Marley of the Post, Wally Matthews of Newsday, Dave Rado, was that his name, I think, of AP, I mean, uh, the Sports Illustrated guy, everybody was there, everybody that was, everybody was there, and this was done. And I mean, I thought it was one of the biggest, um tricks that's ever been perpetrated on the media, per- purposely on me in my entire life. Anyway, um fight of the year, what's been fight of the year, Mr. Box, Mr. BHC? what's been the best fight of 2020?
3: Wow, uh, that's a tough question. I really haven't had a chance to sit down. Uh I thought that Inunway and uh Indoner was a heck of a scrap. I thought that was a really good fight. Um uh wow. I wasn't ready to answer this one. Well um, here all right here's here's, here's, here's a good oh, one. Oh, oh the one on ESPN I think it uh that was a good one. Uh they dropped each other about five times. Uh The lefty. uh... You know what?
1: You know, as far as big fights were concerned, I really was thrilled over the Lopez Vasilevichenko fight. Not because it was a shut, not because it was an upset, or he had a shutout after seven rounds or anything like that. It's just that he broke down. The best fighter in the world, pound for pound, and he broke him down, and he did it with ease. And everybody said, you know, he's young, he's got, he hasn't got the experience. All he is is brash. He's got a big mouth. He's like Camacho without the ability. That's what this guy was telling me. Camacho without the ability.
3: <laughs> really? Wow. That's definitely the most important win of the year. Definitely, I think that's the marquee win. It's, it's the type of win that's gonna that you figure will usher in a new era of, uh, of, of, a fighter, of, uh, of dominance, um, and the guy that's going to be one of the faces of boxing for a while. Um, definitely, I would definitely put that as the number one win of the year.
1: Okay. There's fights on Fox TV tonight. Of course, King, uh, King Rye, Ryan Garcia coming back January the 2nd. Ryan Garcia, is he going to be tested here?
3: I, I would expect so. Um, I mean, up until this point, he really hasn't faced tremendous competition and, and granted, you know, it, it, it's, there's a process in developing a, a young fighter, especially someone who, who a lot is expected of, you know, um, you're not going to throw him into the deep end, you know, so fast, but I think Campbell is a very live underdog. Uh, he's a guy with a tremendous amateur pedigree, um, has fought some of the best in Linares and, and the aforementioned Lomachenko. I think he's going to have to be at his best. To, to beat a young talented fighter in ryan garcia but a young talented fighter with that with not much experience and uh it's going to be it, you could say basically it's going to be ryan garcia's debut as a pro you know he's going to fight his first real test and uh, boxing phd
1: socrates palmer on ring talk live worldwide Socks, say hello to the agent and your wife man we'll talk soon happy holidays
3: thank you brother all the best and r.i.p frankie randall
1: Oh, I'm going to get to that after the break. Thank you so much. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide.
0: Now, more of Ring Talk with Pedro Fernandez.
1: No way Frankie Randall was Muhammad Ali. But when Muhammad Ali died, Don King, of course, went into detail on his death. Of course, here's Don King on Ali. We take it to Las Vegas, Nevada, and bring in the world's greatest promoter, folks. We'll of the one and only Don King. And, Don, it's a sad day, but remember the life and times of the great Muhammad Ali.
0: <clears throat> yes, Muhammad Ali was a friend for life, but he was a man who fought for the people. He was a fighter for the people, and therefore he became a champion of the people. And this message resonates with the people around the world where he would stand up at a time, that he has consequences that will be financial as well as a uh, character and, uh, and, and, and is standing in the community as a human being. So he put it all up for what he believed in, and the Supreme Court of the United States uh, supported him and reversed the conviction that they had put upon him as a draft dodger. Muhammad Ali, at the height of his career, lost four years, uh, so no one could ever, say, or really give an appropriate evaluation of how great this man truly could have been. Uh, but uh, with the greatness that he did achieve is so phenomenal. Even after being laid off for four years and losing the, uh, the acceptance of the people and the, and the, and the uh, condemnation of, uh, of the nation, uh, to rise to the heights that he did to demonstrate what it means for a person to be able to stand up for what they believe in and support what is right. You know, if you don't stand for nothing, you don't live for nothing.
1: Interesting. Talking about the passing of Muhammad Ali, of course, the funeral will be Friday in Louisville, Kentucky. And Don, you and I both have traveled the world with the greatest, and he was much like the Pope anywhere we went. Crowds came. I mean, when we were in China, there were crowds waiting outside the hotel for him at two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning. I mean, he was phenomenally. He
0: truly was the greatest. He was, but you know, I coined a phrase for him that every every knee must bend, every head must bow, every knee must bend, every tongue must confess that he is the greatest, the greatest of all times, Muhammad Mohammed Ali. He was. He was a fabulous individual. He, he was 22 years old, winning the world heavyweight championship. And, and, uh, uh, pronosticated and, and predicted his greatness even before he got to be the great, other than just from the bombast and the braggadocio and, and the trash talking. The man was phenomenal. And so therefore, he set the tone for inspiration, motivation, uh, for faith in God and faith in himself, self confidence that every athlete, a sportsman, or everyone who in life must have to be able to achieve what they, worth would be within themselves, you know, to that own self being true.
1: The words of the greatest promoter of all time, folks, the great Don King. Godfather, have a good day. We thank you for your time, sir. Now, that was Don King on Muhammad Ali. Let me tell you Don King on Frankie Randall. Did you hear that silence? Let me tell you again. Let's hear Don King on Frankie Randall. Who was Frankie Randall? Frankie Randall was a kid that came to the side of Tennessee. Solid amateur, no doubt about that. I mean he had a professional career of course that that, that brought him into a match with Julio Cesar Chavez back in 1994, January of 1994, where he beat Chavez. I mean, he beat Chavez. He didn't even, even drop him, but he beat Chavez. I mean, he beat Chavez. No, no doubt about it. Chavez was the best fighter in the world. 89 and 0 at the time. Don King's big boy, of course. He was HBO's big boy. I mean, he was the one that was making all that pay-per-view money a couple of times a year. So, I mean, Julio Cesar Chavez was boxing, but Frankie Randall beats him. Candidly. Then they have the rematch, and Chavez and Randall, their heads come together in like the fifth round or something like that. Their heads come together, and Chavez turns around and walks away. He turned his back. When you turn your back in a boxing match, it's over. It's over, okay? So he turns his back, he starts whining, and this and that. They go to the scorecards, they end up, there was some old WBC rule where you take a point away from the guy if the other guy was bleeding. I kid you not. The other guy was bleeding accidental head but they took a point away from Randall, okay? Then they went to the scorecards and they gave it back to Julio Caesar Chavez. They did gave the title back to him. Of course, that was in nineteen ninety four. In two thousand four they would eventually fight a third time. Of course, Frankie was toast at that point in time. Julio Caesar Chavez was hundred and five, five and two, of course. What can I say? They waited a long time to give him the rematch. They did a third fight. They should have given the third fight right away. I was one of the only members of the boxing media who was standing up on a box screaming at the post fight press conference. Doesn't anybody realize this guy just got screwed? I mean, I'm screaming at Aaron Snow. Of course, Aaron, uh, the, the cornerman extraordinaire, should be in the hall of fame. Great quarterman, great trainer. No about that. Of course, his claim to fame or his actually, uh, in moment of infamy was when, was when they, They didn't have the ice, the ice ready for, uh, an ice pack ready for Mike Tyson's eye over there in Tokyo. But outside of that, I mean, Aaron Snow handled uh, Frankie Randall and Frankie Randall basically, he upset the boxing establishment. He just did. He, 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 you know, and, and the boxing establishment wasn't going for it. I mean, the second time around, you talk about getting screwed and then he was never given a third fight for another 10 years. I mean, that wasn't a coincidence. That was not a coincidence at all. So while I applaud Don King for being so so uh so congratulatory and having those great condolences for Muhammad Ali, you should have the same amount of condolences for Frankie Randall because he was a promoter there. Box, box, Don King was part of that boxing establishment. I'm blaming right now for screwing Frankie Randall over. Anyway, Randall died this week uh at the age of 59 in an old folks home <clears throat> basically an old folks home living i saw a picture of him and he looked he looked he looked as if he was um he looked as if he was suffering from um um, um he looked as if he was he, he looked as if as, as if he was possibly he didn't look like frankie randall he looked like a different human being. In other words, there was Frankie Randall's body and everything like that, but you could just tell by looking at the picture that things were bad. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you saw him in the old folks' home. You see the setting around him and that kind of good stuff, and he was posing for the picture in a pair of sweatpants and this and that. But, you know, his mind hasn't been there for a long time. He's a guy that stuck around too long. But, but... Although he did stick around too long, he died broke, and he should have died with some money. Had the boxing establishment taken care of him, he might not have had to fight all those fights. I mean, he, I mean, it's, he, he might not have had to do it. 58 and 18, 42 Kales, was stopped 18 times. 18 times he was stopped. Of course, that was after the Chavez fight. 18 times. If he'd have got the millions he deserved... If he'd have beat Chavez in that, that second fight, like I thought he was beating him, and he did beat him, and they took it away from him, okay? So, and then they had a third fight, and it went down like that, so Chavez and, and, and Randall would have made some money, Randall would have made enough money to put away. He never made enough money to put it away. He just never did, okay? And he died poor, he died broke, and he died in a state of dementia, and that just wasn't cool for me. I wish him the very best in his family, but um, that, that was a tough pill to swallow, it just was. Tonight! Fox Sports is going to go, um, Fox Sports 1 is going to go with Marco Sanchez and Atlantis Fox. It's a super middleweight bout. And on the same evening, Fox is going to go with uh, David Morrell versus Mike Gavinowski. That's going to be for the WB interim super middleweight title. Actually, it's not going to be because Gavinowski didn't make the weight. They evidently agreed to 170 pounds before the fight, so the title's been taken off the line. Also on the card, the comebacking James Kirkland. Entertaining fighter, been on this show in the, fast, in the past, likes to fight with his face, meaning he's exciting, taking on Juan Manuel Messias. So straight up, that's going to be a fantastic bout as far as Kirkland's going because any fight Kirkland's in, even when he loses, it's exciting, because he's give and take. You like those give and take type of fights? That's it. If you're a gaudy warrior type of guy, this is what you want to watch. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. You're inside looking to the world of boxing, MMA. Of course, the fight on the table for the heavyweights, of course, is Tyson Fury. The undefeated linear world lightweight champion, world <coughs> heavyweight champion, having of course <coughs> lost that, uh, only one fight, the draw to, uh, Deontay Wilder, having never lost. And of course, Wilder having lost that one fight to Tyson Fury. Of course, he was clamoring about the third fight. I guess he's going to take some money and step aside. I don't know if I, I don't know if that, if this is going to be the exciting fight that people think it is, because I think that Anthony Joshua is going to be a gun-shy fighter after getting knocked out by Auntie Louise. I just don't think he can ever come back from that. I just don't. I mean, the fight with Pulev, yeah, okay, good confidence builder, this and that. But, you know, Pulev wasn't the uh, Pulev wasn't actually Rocky Balboa or anything like that. I wasn't too worried about him pulling off the upset. I mean, he was a good, durable fighter, and there's no doubt about it, but not really up there, upper, upper echelon, no doubt about that. Now, let's go back to Canelo. What's Canelo going to do next? As I told you, the Triple G fight is a fight that they want to push, but they're talking Billy Joe Sanders first. So Billy Joe Sanders goes first, and Triple G goes second. Triple G having defended the IBF middleweight title now for like 21, 20, 21 times. And, of course, that's a record, and congratulations to him on that. But of the 21 guys he's fought, most of the guys look like me. In other words, nobody. So you what know, can I say outside of that? He needs to put his uh his resume... How can I put that? He needs to beat Canelo in a fight. That's what he really needs to be. To go out as a great, great, great fighter, he needs to beat Canelo in the third fight. Of course, at 160 pounds, he has two chances, Slim and none, and, well, Slim's left town, so I think he has no chance of beating Canelo the third time around. In fact, I was sort of um, in disbelief that Canelo didn't want to fight him when he was with the Zone last year before they had their big contractual dispute. Of course, in Oscar De La Hoya left. And speaking of conspicuously absent, De La Hoya, not at Canelo's fight last week. <laughs> of course, now Al Heyman's evolved. No, not Al Heyman. I thought it was going to be Al Heyman, but it's not Al Heyman. It's, it's Eddie Hearn, the guy running, of course, matchroom boxing and the zone. So it's not Al Heyman. Al Heyman, of course, has got got one of the Charlo brothers, the undefeated Charlo brother, 160 pounds, the WBC champion. Now, all of a sudden, he's calling out Canelo Alvarez. What took you so long? He wants to fight Canelo at 168. Let him go up to 168. That's really the fight that... You know, I mean, outside of, outside of a Triple G fight again, maybe Den of David Benavides, if he got off the cocaine, it'd be a good fight for Canelo at 168. Of course, that would stir up some attraction in the, the, uh, Mexican world of pay per view. And of course, they are the guys that turned the pay per view crank, because Benavides, before he got <coughs> coked out, was a good looking fighter, of course, out of the French, the Fresno area, undefeated. WBC super middleweight champion. I mean, at one point in time, I thought he had the charisma, the style, the attitude to step forward and be the next face of boxing. But then cocaine got involved. Of course, cocaine is something that's ruined a lot of boxers. What can I say? The aforementioned Hector Camacho earlier in the hour had a kilo of cocaine in the car. Had he been caught? he and that trainer would have went to jail for a long time trying to sneak a kilo into Mexico most people don't sneak drugs into Mexico they sneak drugs out of Mexico so I thought it was sort of funny that they were like looking at him going into the country because they usually don't grab you going into the country they usually wave you through bring the money just bring the money come bring it on through of course I have my problems with the the uh, Tijuana border more than once and I've learned now to uh shut my mouth when you cross the border they don't they They do not joke at the border. And I don't mean like hijacking jokes on the plane or nothing like that, but you just can't joke with them at the border, man. You just can't. Like I told that lady, Woody, you need a geography lesson? She made me bend over and, uh, you know, I had to bend over. I had to go into a special room and bend over. And that wasn't too much fun. That wasn't. And she she came out and she said, yeah, what state were you born in? California, ma'am. California, ma'am. There's no doubt about that. I learned real quick. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Check it. You're inside. Look at the world of boxing. MMA we will finish up with a look at the UFC. Of course, some of these fights coming up in 2021. Boxing. Will it come back with a vaccine? Boxing needs a vaccine. The world needs a vaccine. But most importantly, I hate to be selfish, but Pedro needs a vaccine. You're tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. (laughs)
0: Now, more of Ring Talk with Pedro Fernandez. As the
1: UFC limps off into the year 2021, of course, they've had a lot of shows, but the while it's been quantity, there really hasn't been quality, per saying And, of course, the next show they've got UFC Fight Night January 16th comes from the uh, United Arab Emirates in Dubai. Uh, of course, the former champion, talking about Max Holloway's in action, he's in the main event. Of course, Dustin Poirier gonna take on Conor McGregor in a rematch. Of course, a second fight. Poirier got lit up the first time. Why would there be any difference the second time? There probably won't be unless Conor McGregor has fallen so far off the shelf with his booze and all those kind of antics that he really can't get it as far as a world-class level is concerned. But that's UFC 257. That's gonna be on January 23rd. Of course, that's gonna be Dubai as well. They're trying to lure Khabib back out of retirement. Of course, be the reigning, reigning lightweight champion of the UFC, 24-0, 28-0, 29-0, 40-0, whatever. He's been wrestling bears since he was a kid. He never lost a fight, never lost a round in the gym. The American Kickboxing Academy down here in Silicon Valley is what he called home. He never lost a round sparring. He was just like the guy, always was, never going to never gonna lose. And, of course, now at 155 pounds, considered unbeatable. At 170 pounds, they're talking about the super fight with GSP. That's right. George St. Pierre, that's what the Canadian icon, of course, talking about coming back, the former welterweight champion, the former light heavyweight champion, who surprised me when he came, when a middleweight champion, when he came back and he beat, when he beat, uh, uh Michael Bisping. I mean, holy cow, I thought Bisping was gonna ragdoll him. I mean, being 15, 20 pounds light, uh, heavier than him naturally didn't go down that way. Size matters in two things, but it didn't matter that day, no doubt about that. So the rest of the UFC schedule sort of looks sort of blank. They really don't have the superstars, per se. I mean, they're not putting them out there. There are no super fights on the horizon outside of Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor. Now, I don't know if you're going to call that a, a super fight. Maybe you've got one super uh, contestant in Conor McGregor, of course, a great pay-per-view draw. But outside of that, what do you got for the rest of the year? What's Dana White got up his sleeve? I mean, Dana did a great 2020. I mean, as far as numbers were concerned, I mean, they did like... I don't know, about 40 or 50 shows. I mean, they did a lot of shows. Even during the pandemic, they got the governor down there, it's DeSantis down there in Florida, to uh, say that USC was like essential work. And then when that sort of like went south and and the cases went crazy in in Florida, as far as COVID was concerned, they took it to Dubai, and then they brought it back to Las Vegas. And they've done pretty good in the bubble. It's concerning me. When guys get sick there, they get the guys out. So that's sort of in the way it's working. Because they have a good testing procedure. You know, speaking of testing... We're nine months, ten months into this. I still can't get it. I mean, I got a test at a hospital. Why shouldn't I be able to go into a drugstore and get a test? In other words, to find out whether, you know, I mean, that'd be a great way for me to go out on a date tonight. Go out there and get two tests. One for me, one for her. We both take it. If we both pass the test, we go out on a date. If we don't, we go our separate ways. Bottom line is the government, the medical world is dead new and spit for us when it comes to testing concerns. Of course, the vaccine is another thing and I will be taking mine when it comes out. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide, the Sunday edition with Larry Merchant the retired HBO Godfather airs Sunday at 11 a.m. Pacific time. That's 2 p.m. Eastern time, live here on Sports Byline, iHeartRadio, Sirius XM, Satellite Radio, Channel 27, 217, CRN, and a plethora of other Internet platforms. The executive producer is Scott Cuddy. This is Ring Talk.